Welcome to the Sales Unscripted Podcast, where it's not what you're saying, but who you're being while you're saying it that matters. Sales and scaling your business is what drives the engine here. So drop in, buckle up, and hold on, because we're about to shake up the sales game with the man behind the mic, Jim Padilla. Jim here, Sales Unscripted, where it's not what you're saying, but who you're being while you're saying it, that matters the most. And... The person who I'm bringing on here today, Matt Browning, which you're going to see a great interview with, uh, he is being a person that I admire in the world. He is pulling his gifts, his talents, his brilliance, his heart of service, uh, and bringing it uh, on edge. I mean, he is changing the world. He's putting, he's setting the world on fire right now, and he uh, he speaks all over the world. Fortune 500 companies. Um, he is speaking at you know U.S. Bank, um, McAfee, Nasdaq. Um, he is on, on Wall Street, putting out his, his new book, The Firebox Principles, which really talk about um, how to identify the real source of your fuel for your mission, your vision, your passion, your source, and what you do. Um, but just pay attention to the heart of this guy and understand he is a kick-ass, successful entrepreneur that is crushing it in business and in life. And I'm sharing with you because you, I want you thriving in all areas and I want to bring the, the resources and the people that can help share some insights and open some doors to making that happen. And Matt Browning is one of those guys. So make sure you, you dive in, you pay attention. This is one you're going to want to check into um, and just really understand how he's, he's really been able to, to line up his purpose in life with his work and, um, and his mission and his service. And it's a great example and a brilliant business guy. So check him out. Definitely take advantage of the opportunity with the book. Um, you can check him out at, um, at Matt Browning on Twitter.com. Well, obviously at Twitter.com, but on Twitter at Matt Browning, you know, you hear anything you like, give him an at, you know, get some comments, let us give me some feedback. I'd love to hear how this all lands with you. Go make some magic happen and enjoy the interview. All right. So Matt, yeah, man, let's just, uh, you know, Let's just jump in and catch up, buddy. You're you're just, you know, you're one of my uh, you're one of my all time favorite peeps. You know, you're just you know, good dude. You know, brother from another mother, and I, I totally respect the life you're living and what you're accomplishing. And, and I just want to share you with with the sales and scripted folks. So you were just talking about 2018 and what's what's uh, what's been in store as you've been having a, a, a great year. And the reason I want to address it is because. Uh, it's been amongst a lot of other people trying to figure out why 2018 wasn't so great for that. Well, so this is interesting, right? Like let's, obviously we're, we're having a sales conversation as sort of the, the container for it. So I'll, I'll start with revenue stuff. So technically I think, well, I'm on an accrual method for the business. So it's hard to track, but if I look at just cash in cash out, 2018 was probably a little bit lower. 2017 was like a peak. And I think a lot of that has to do partially with the economy. So I, you know, I'm looking at it going, man, we've been on an up economy for nine years. And one of the things I, I do, I think it's very, um, it's, it's spiritual based as well as practical based is, you know, you plan for times of feast and times for famine. Right. And, you know, it's not negative thinking, but I believe there's going to be a time when, you know, credit isn't so loose. Uh, people can't afford programs like they used to. And if that's going to come in the next year or two. So I've sort of been focusing on on increasing net really hard and you know tr really trimming things up because i was in a big expansion period last year or 2017 so 2018 was a lot of like hey let's trim the fat let's be intelligent about this make good choices i'm not going to sponsor every event let me be a little more clear um you know narrowing a little bit on like on size of team and, and just really looking at the future the other half though is kind of like what i want to do where you know, uh, the podcast has been taken off, the Driven Entrepreneur, we just rebranded, hit our 100th episode uh, this week as we're talking right now, which is so cool. cool. And, and I think a big part of the future for my business is going from speaking a lot, still doing that, but a lot more podcast, but it's got a syndication deal for a Chicago radio station, nice. looking for more of those. So I, I think a lot is going to be things I can do for my, you know, you can, if you watch this on video, you can see behind me the, the half-constructed, the reason this half-constructed this um, refurb wood wall thing is because I'm doing it with my seven-year-old Val and he runs the nail gun. Uh, I run the, uh, <laughs> the liquid nails on the back, but I love it. You know, raise them up how you want them to go and, and he's doing a great job with it. So we're trying to do more things I can do out of the basement office essentially and stay home right. with the family. So that, that was a, awesome. a long answer to a short question probably, but no, 2000, it's all good. Been great. yeah, you know, you've been 
he's been popping up everywhere, you know, been following the journey, you know, he'd been on some great interviews, been on TV, you had your picture in Times Square, when you're going to speak at NASDAQ, uh, cool stuff, you know, yeah. and I've been, I've been cheering along the whole way. It's been, you know, totally, totally proud of you, feel, you know, happy for you. So, man, man, I appreciate you this year. In fact, this is crazy. So between July and the end of the year, last six months was when it just went up like crazy. I, we did a vacation for almost a month with my family to the UK to go visit uh, church and friends out there and everything and tour around, you know, Ireland and Scotland. We came back home, moved like five days later across the country, 2000 miles to Grand Rapids from California. When we landed, that's when I started the book tour. So I just published the, uh, my first new book in 11 years, the firebox principle. And that was, uh, you know, really, really fun to, to do a legit book run, you know? So I was doing, uh, booking TV media. So I did like six uh, television shows, uh, went on the radio, did a lot of podcasting for it, and then spoke at several events. There was, uh, I spoke at an event with Kirk Cameron, spoke at a, a f- couple other different events, uh, church events, business events. Just a, uh, It was a ton of fun, but between the TV, between the radio, between running the podcast and growing that, between moving across the country um, and resituating life and family and everything, it's been nuts. Yeah. But it's finally it, calming down. It's cool though. And the th- one of the things that I love about it, and I think one of our you know, biggest connections is the fact that we're, we're definitely focused on growing business and being strategic and being leaders without compromising our integrity and our relationship with God. And, you know, that's a matter of priorities, right? Like, yeah. like if you, you can only someone, one of my students told me this, and I loved it. He said, you can only ever have one priority, but you can have many um, desires or many goals for a day, but you can only ever have one priority. Right. So pri PRI comes from, right. From primary meaning one. So right. sometimes it's like, I felt like I was walking around with multiple priorities, quote unquote, yes. when I realized there's one priority it's God. And for me, right. Just, you know, coming from faith, it's advancing the kingdom and doing what he asked me to do. And then secondary, uh, which is still really high, is my family, my wife and my son. And then beyond that is running the business. And beyond that is community and other things like that. But it's like when you put it in that order, things just roll into place. It's unbelievable what has happened in the business in the last several years. Once I've reordered in that priority, I'm sure you can test the same thing. We've talked about that a a ton, you know, over dinners and everything. Totally. And, and that's been the thing that we've learned. It's because it always feels like it's, well, how do you keep it all in together? How do you have business here, God here, and family here, and, and health here, and community? It's like, well, the point is they're not all different things. They're all the same thing. When you put God at the center, and then you build your family around it, and you build your business as an extension of it, and your values are in alignment with it, then it's all one and the same. And then it becomes then it becomes like this elevated, massive opportunity to do good and do well, you know. Well said. Well said. It's powerful. So you're a great example of it, man. So it's good stuff. I'm really excited for what's going on. And on that note, um, I think that's what your book has been to me. It's it's to me. I had this interesting concept. I was driving home. This morning, we went to the, to the bank and I was coming back here just to get ready for this call. Did, did you and, pick me up anything? Uh, yeah, some goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was thinking, you know, reading your book is kind of like putting a fence between these two sides of needing to do well and wanting to do good. Right. And it feels like the principles and the keys in the firebox uh, kind of walk that line. Like, how do you pull those? together yeah there's, there's, it's a new concept and to me I, like i really believe this is a new concept out in the world right now um i haven't seen anything like it before the idea was every other principal book was around usually personality types like hey here's the seven different whatevers or the three different somethings or the four <laughs> strengths right. finders myers-briggs disc etc and this really came because i was looking at um like i, I shared the story when it, you mentioned when I was speaking at NASDAQ, that was last month. And I said, you know, I have five, I had five minutes, five minutes in a boardroom um, at NASDAQ Times Square. They put my photo up on the jumbotron, 75 feet tall. Like I had to deliver and they said, you got five minutes. So I thought, well, let me pull out the principle from the book. And I realized this is the story of why it came up. I was six years old, five years old, right in that range, start my first day of kindergarten. And like many of us, right, I looked out at the sea of kids and I thought, man, I don't belong here. <laughs> I felt like I was on the outside looking in. I didn't really fit. 
Um, and I didn't know why. I just knew like, I just felt awkward. They seemed like they could play together, but I couldn't talk to them. And that feeling stuck with me my whole life. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I always felt like I was different. And then I heard an interview with Elon Musk recently. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh. Phenomenal interview. Yeah. Really got a lot of interesting press. And, but he said this one line, I'll never forget it. He said, when I was a kid, I was like six years old. He said, I was scared some, someone was going to come and take me away. Because he said, I knew I thought so different than everybody else. Something was wrong with me inside. And if they found out how I thought about the world, that's where crazy people go. And they would take me away. And he thought this as a kid. And I remember having really similar feelings. And not, you know, I'm not going to compare myself to, to a, a guy like Musk. But there's something in this entrepreneur, uh, innovator, creator, artist kind of mind that we always feel different. And that's the very strength of why we do what we do. So the book was around, hey, if that's you, if you relate to, you need to innovate, you, you have this vision, you got to you have passion, you got to follow something through. If you can tap into the true subconscious drive that's behind that move, you'll go so much further, so much easier, and you'll be able to rally people around your vision 10 times faster. And that was kind of where the concept came out. And I started wondering, hey, I wonder if other entrepreneurs in the past and the present feel like I felt, and I wonder what drives them. Because I knew, I was figuring out what drove me to do what I did. I've started four businesses in 16 years, and I wondered what drove other people and lo and behold, patterns started developing and it turned out there were only seven reasons why anyone started anything. And so that just fascinated me to no end. And I'm like, well, I, I haven't written a book in 11 years. I thought my first book was 2007. And I thought, you know what? I'll try this out. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, to me, again, it just, it just spoke right to the nature of that. To me, it spoke to the core of, you know, just did a really good job of outlining that that journey you know because so many like there's a there's a huge gap in entrepreneurship and in business in general where there seems to be a choice between making money and doing good even though that's like the oldest cliche but it's still a struggle that a lot of people deal with and um it's i think it really comes down to just a, a strong lack of of really being true to yourself and knowing who you are and i, I believe personally that we have an advantage you and i in the fact that uh, you know, I know where my purpose comes from, right? It comes from, from God. God. God is the one who anoints me to do what I do. So I'm not out trying to figure out what do I need? What's my purpose? And what's, you know, how do I come from? Because it's like you're trying to create something from thin air. That's a t difficult task, you know? So who, however you serve God, you know, that you got to find out where that purpose comes from because when it's coming from you, it's just going to be a, a, a man-made purpose that's only going to serve in a small capacity. But when it's aligned with, you know, with, with the universe and intention and your, your design, what you were created to do, it's going to serve the world in such a bigger way because literally, you know, like God gave my gifts to me for you. He didn't give them to me for me. Right. So if we start really leaning into the purpose that we were created for, then it starts massively moving humanity because it, that's what it was designed to do. Now, this is an exciting, like a, a exciting faith-based conversation. And I want to, here, here's my take on that too. So number one, like I agree with you, like that's, that's my personal take as well. I also want to speak to people that have like all different takes and all different yes. perspectives of, of the world, how it's created and so forth. In like in the book, when I look at the seven different drives, one of the seven drives is what I call the spiritual drive. And here's the difference, though. So what you just described, um, to be super clear, is if you have a faith belief and a background where you think, hey, everything essentially comes from this one place, there's really no business in your world, right? And mine too, really. But there's no business that isn't at some point a spiritual drive, if that makes sense. Right. Everything got given from a creator and, and you know, he's saying, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to play in this area. But when you look at just the entire world, the way everyone can relate to it, some businesses, when, so like if God gives us something to do, there's also the human interaction. So it's, I have to take it and interpret it, right? right. And that's always been a huge, uh, huge theme in, in really in the world, biblically, everywhere is, is interpretation. So uh, like, you know, Joseph, he became famous in Israel because he was a dream interpreter for Pharaoh. And it wasn't just getting a dream and saying, oh yeah, there's some cups in a cupboard. No, 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 what does it mean? Right. So when you have something, now the question is, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with it? So the reason, say, you start a, a sales uh, support business, a sales training business, all those things you do, the reason I started NLP, I started my business 
before I had a relationship with God and I'm running it afterwards. So what's the difference? Well, there, there's several different types of drive. So even a guy like you, you know, I'm sure you've shared with your audience some of how you've grown up and some of the challenges and obstacles right. and stuff. And as, you, as someone goes through maybe tough times early in life, it might be easy to look at like the first drive in the book is the significance drive. Right. And right, that concept of I want to feel significant. And these are all subconscious, right? They're not something, you know, you don't walk up and go, you know, but although, although some people, you know, they straight, you know, they grew up in the hard streets of whatever, and they grew up and go, you know what, I'm going to prove them all wrong. I don't care what they said. I'm going to make my, something out of myself. You know, I don't care what my dad said. I'm going to make my own way. And right. some people are very conscious. That's why they started the venture they did. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. My philosophy and why I did the book is I want people to understand that no matter what your driving force is, whether it's spiritual, whether it's significance, whether it's contribution, it's about the people, whether it's to thrive, right, which is about improving your station in life, you know, whether, uh, you know, Thrive Drive is interesting, it's whether you're getting off a refugee boat from a camp and you're bringing because you want your kids to have a better life coming from nothing. Or if you want to have your 17th Ferrari, it's the same drive, which is I want to go from where I am to a better station in life. So no matter what the drive is, uh, in spiritual or otherwise, if you can tap into it, you really get what it is, and you're congruent with it, you don't run away from it, people will rally around it. They will respect you for it, no matter whether it seems to be on the surface positive or negative. So to me, right. it's like you could argue certainly from a faith perspective that everything is spiritual, but then when you drill down one more level, it's like what's the humanistic reason why we did this particular business versus any other particular business, you know? Right. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate all those perspectives, um, and most of the physical drives are short-lived. So then you have to continually up the ante, which I've played that game. I played that game for forty years, right? So I totally get it, you know, because after a while, that particular drive, whether if it's the car drive, that's awesome. After a while, you got sixteen cars, and that's no longer a drive; it's just a thing. So what's the next drive? And typically with very minimal exception in order to really hit the state of significance whatever the drive may be it still has to play into how am i impacting others in order to sustain this so you might rally people around a motivation that is not so significant but if you can get people to buy into it for something that is significant for them it's still a contribution to them Right. So you're still driving, you're, you're still putting good out there and opportunities for other. And so I personally, I, you know, I have a hard time reconciling how that's not always factored in somewhere. If you're going to have any real level of success. Couldn't agree more. You have, you have to also look at like that, that long term, you know, yeah. so, so talking about that Ferrari guy, just as an example, I think also you and I have been around the personal development world quite a lot. So it's almost like ingrained in our nature. It's like, well, of course you're here for an impact and a purpose. And like, that's the whole reason you do any business. But if you, if you float out of just the personal development and seminars and coaching and speaking in our world, right. and you go out to, to the mainstream. It's like, why did Hewlett Packard start? Why did James Dyson found Dyson, you know, vacuums and, and everything they do? Well, there's, there's a reason for it. Why, why did Steve Jobs start Apple? Why did he, did he take on Pixar? What, and all of those weren't to take care of people, to make an impact, to share your purpose. Because God said, if you look at the world, and I, this is more of, again, kind of an observational model. Yeah. Um, there's two big differences w w when it comes to teaching something. There's the, the theoretical model and the observational model. Theoretical model is, hey, through my own experience, here's how I see the world, which is really interesting and really useful. Then what I did was, was really the observational model. I just looked out and said, okay, there's a guy, there's a gal, there's someone who did something, who started something. What's their story? Why did they do it? What was driving them? And if you take the observational model, right, which is what I did. So you look at um, one of them I haven't mentioned yet was the Avenger Drive. And it's the last of the seven drives. I used to call it the revenge drive, but no one wanted right. to relate to it. <laughs> right. But I'm not doing it for revenge. Only Henry Rollins. He wanted, he, he says the, that every time he succeeds at something, he wants, he does it so he can rub it in their face. Right. And we go, Who, who's they? Oh, he, he, he's, I don't even know anymore. I just know I want to rub it in their face. But we renamed it the Avenger drive because it's really about taking it wrong and making it right or proving a point to something. Right. So no matter what the, what, what the drive is, what, one thing I've realized is once we finish observing and say, well, here's 
here's the different patterns that are already out there. Now the question is, well, where am I fitting in? And it's not my personality. So if I, if I relate to the Avenger drive for a particular business or a nonprofit or a church or a venture, it doesn't mean that's who I am. I want to be really clear about that. And in the right. book, I talk about that quite a bit. It's not a personality profile. It is contextual around an enterprise, contextual around a particular vision. You know, so you're, if you have three different businesses, each one could have three different drives as to why you did it. Look at Bill Gates with Microsoft versus the Bill Gates foundation. He didn't start the foundation for the same reason as the Microsoft corporation, obviously. Right. So the person can have different drives. And once you apply the observational model, just to hope if, if you guys are still following, following with me, then just here's the last piece. After you, you observe who you are and how you've shown up. Then you look at exactly what you said, Jim, which is you can apply changes to the model too. So some of my clients when I worked with some, I've been bringing this into some corporations and some kind of higher up stuff. And when I do that, the conversation is, Hey, what start, why did you start the business? And then they take the firebox quiz, which I have for free available for companies and I have them take it and then all their employees. Right. And the employees take it to see they answer questions based on where they think, why they think the company is in existence. And then the owner takes it and the C-suite take it to see where they think, why is the company being ran the way it is? And you'll see if there's conflicts in messaging. And what you find often is, well, I started this when I was 22 for this reason, but now it's been 18 years. Right. You know, now I'm 40 and now my goals have changed. Now I no, no longer need to prove to myself or now I no longer want another Lamborghini or now whatever it is, right? Something has changed. So a lot of the firebox principle is figuring out what's your current today firebox. What's the fire fuel that needs to push you, your enterprise and vision going forward right now. And if it changed, but you're still running the old show, you're still running the old script, dude, you got to switch it up. You got to tell people things have changed. Totally. Uh, and it's interesting because as you know, reading through the book, I think I apply to all seven at certain times, but like yes. the whole, the Avenger really spoke to my, my younger self because of everything that I had to deal with, as you know, in my childhood, um, I just had to prove that nothing could destroy me. I'll show you, I'll, I'll show, show the world. Me, right. And then, you know, I, I worked for a sales trainer years ago that, and when I left him, he was like, just, dumped on me. I helped build his business to where it is. I built his most significant division. And then his parting words to me were, you'll never succeed without me. The sun only shines on you because I have my hand on you. You'll never make it without me. And I was like, wow, why would you ever say that to any human being, even if you thought it was true? You know, much less the fact, screw you. (laughs) And, you know, it was on the mirror for me for a year until Cindy walked (laughs) in one day and graced it because she just thought it was bad juju. But... (laughs) But isn't that funny? So even you can relate, you know, to as being, you know, spiritual driven and what it's got, but there's this piece of it. It's like, no, that guy said I couldn't do it. I'm going to put it in my mirror and I'm going to show him that I can Yeah, show him that I can. That's fascinating. Totally. <laughs> so kind of, you're always, you always put yourself in one of those boxes because you have to have something, you know, I think the most important thing is that you are identifying to something that is driving you. And it doesn't usually take too much thought to, to really break, to figure out one of those boxes, if not multiple that you fit in. Yeah. And, and again, the idea that is like, if you, if you know where you fit, you either find one of two things. You either find that you're happy about that and now right. you've been burying it. And now it's time to show and wave your flag with pride. Yep. You know, I think a good example of that I've shared before is Harry's razors. Um, you know, they're not the biggest, but they, and they came after dollar shave club who had the backing and the funding and money and everything. Dollar Shave Club, it was real simple, right? It's like, hey, a a dollar plus shipping or nine bucks or whatever, and and a guy can get razors. Basically, their model was CVS is ripping you off. We're going to give you the same quality razors at a quarter of the price. That was their whole model. It was you want to get ahead, so you're going to save money. They gave the Thrive Drive, essentially. Right. Harry's came in. And they shared a story. So what they did to compete was they put their story right up front. So right on the front of the website, on the front of their advertising, their advertising videos. I remember when they first launched was, you know what? We're just two regular guys and we got sick and tired of getting ripped off. And I couldn't believe it. I found out what happened. The real story is, you know, these razors are being made, you know, in these different factories for so affordable, but they're really, they're bumped up so much. And we thought that's not fair. We don't like it. You must not like it. So we're here to save you basically 
and but they, they competed by getting their firebox and instead of being the thrive which is we're going to save you money although they do they put the story of we're going to take a wrong which is the razor industry and we're going to make it right right and people rallied around that and said yeah i like this cause they're not right. saving children they're not saying you know the messiah told us to do it they're not right they're, they're like they're right. not doing it for all these other reasons they're just doing it to show to rally people around hey these guys are evil. Let's make it right. Let's fix things. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, we just did a Facebook live last night um, around uh, the topic. We were talking about how to, how to scale your business effectively with live events. And we, one of the, I use an example of a conversation that I was in with somebody who's trying to, we're talking about them hiring us to do some of their events. And he had a fundamental difference in his philosophy. The end result could still be the same thing, but I was teaching and I teach that less is more. If you, te if you have a three-day event that has a single walkaway deliverable that someone can identify, you've won. Somebody can have something they can implement and work and execute. And then they're going to feel so good about what they're doing. And it's crystal clear that they're also going to see the result that you helped them attain. And it leads to powerful conversions. <clears throat> well, this guy is talking about their number one strategy is to bombard you with so much content that you are physically and visibly overwhelmed to the point where you can't do anything without us and you realize you need us. And I was like, dude, I literally got a, that model familiar. I, I got a knot in my stomach when he said that, right? Because I'm like, dude, I just, that's fundamental. The end game is yes, you will still sell them. You will still help them. That's it. But I'm not cool with taking that path to getting there. Right. So I want to fundamentally shift this because there is another way to do it. And it doesn't have to be at the expense of people's emotions, you know, and I'm not a woo woo soft guy. That's not how I work. I just don't believe in, there's no, re, you know, there's no reason to, I want to minimize casualties. Let's put it that way, <laughs> you know, but I thought it was an interesting approach because from that perspective, I, I could almost, you know, overstate my own worth in this thing, but I'm not to change the way the industry is working in that sense. And you got to decide with, you know, and I'm a guy that, you know, I mean, I've, we've talked about events before, you know, at this point, I think I'm, I'm almost up to 300, uh, three day or longer events in right. 12 years, um, in 18 cities and four countries. I've, I've put on a lot of workshops and I've had workshops that sold nothing. And I've had workshops that, you know, sold 80% of the room. Right. I had one in Australia that sold 105% of the room. That was, awesome. un, yeah, it was 20 people, but, um, it was like 20, I think 22 signed up because two people signed up people that weren't even there. <laughs> Right. And, that, and that's absurd. That's not normal, but that's crazy. So when I, when I look at all of it, one thing I've been looking at a lot lately, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not announcing this yet because I don't have anywhere near the right pieces together. There's some, some pretty precarious uh, chess pieces that have to come together to make this work. But I'm looking at that deliverable thing like you talked about, that one deliverable. And, you know, friends of ours who, who put on events. I've one that, you know, you walk out and you have real bookings on television. One, you yeah. walk out, you have real bookings on podcasts. Yeah. Um, and mine has always been soft skills or personal development, things that are really important, but it's like, okay, you walk out and you believe and you can speak better, or you made some personal development breakthroughs, but what's this like tangible, like in your hands deliverable. So I've really right. been spending a lot of time on that. Um, so my philosophy is, and I'm curious what you think about this. I don't know how much we've talked about it. For a live event, it's sort of like, let's, let's say there's a chain of events. There's maybe you went and spoke somewhere or advertised something. And you said, hey, here's a promotion. Come to this event and you'll get X, right? So my philosophy is, and then, so you have the, the talk or the promotion, then you have the event itself, and then you have post, which is whatever the, the high-end or back-end deliverables are, maybe a, a longer right. coaching program, et cetera. So you have these three levels, three phases. For me, I, I kind of look at it as, as two parts of a, of a live event if it's in the middle. So you do a promotion that says, hey, come to this event and you'll get X. So at the event, you have to very clearly, very easily deliver X. Correct. And where some people fall down, I think, is they're in the beginning. You know, I won't talk about other people. I'll talk about me. So I ran a couple events in, I think it was one, of the, one in Melbourne, one in the Gold Coast. This is like 2008, I think it was. So a little while ago. And I learned something. I had put together a really good event, what I believed. They believed it too. And what happened is all I did was one thing. I promised them X, come to the event and you'll get this breakthrough. And then I over-delivered and gave them the breakthrough. And at the end of the weekend, 
I made the offer and say, Hey, you know, do you want to learn more about this stuff? And everyone had the same response. Almost every, every single person had the same version or a different version of the same response. They said something like, man, this has been awesome. I got everything I needed. This was so great. I got just what you promised me, just what I expected. Oh, I had a huge breakthrough. And then I said, well, what about, are you going to do our mastery program? They said, oh, for sure one day. But you know, right now, like I just, I got this one thing from you and I want to go home and use it. Super excited. Thank you. Um, but no, right now is not the right time. You know, I just wanted to get this one thing. So I learned, but, but the reason I did that was because I saw a lot of people do the opposite. The opposite was, they went to a promotion, an advertisement or a speaking gig. They promoted and said, come to the event, you'll get X. At the event, they talked about X and but then they, they sold X. Not even Y. They talked about X and then they ah, sold. So they didn't the deliver. Deliverable. Correct. Got it. So okay. they came and said, I'll tell you about these seven patterns right. that are ruining your life. And throughout the event, they talked about the seven patterns, but never did anything about them. Right. And then they said, my program at the end will do all this for you. Okay. Yeah. So my initial as a very young speaker and entrepreneur, I was like, I was the Avenger essentially. Oh, I never yeah. thought about that till right now. And I said, that's wrong. Totally. That's like, I'm so sick of these bait and switch, whatever, that I don't like that sales environment. So yeah. I said, I'm going to promise X, deliver X, and then I'm going to offer Y. Correct. And then no one took it. So what I do now is I, I do two things. I think in a really good event, you have to layer in uh, layer X and Y together. And this is not a metaphor for gender, but <laughs> A and B, whatever you yeah. want to call it. So you, you promise X and then at the event, while you're delivering X, you seamlessly layer in, there's also Y and Z and there's also these other things. There's also yeah. more depth to this X and there's also something else that'll help this along. You don't need it, but it's really useful. So you, you sort of like do the same thing. You're promoting the Y and the Z but you're delivering X. And at the end of it, they have to say, I got everything you promised me and then some. Plus, right. I learned about a bunch of new things I didn't know about. And now I'm really curious or I'm really excited about these new tools that you talked about. Right. So it's like that combo. Does that it's, make sense? Totally. And that's, that's, a, that's a good approach. Um, here's what we've been teaching. Um, similar, but coming from the other perspective. You now, we all know about reverse engineering your outcome. So the first thing we talk about is what role, you have to be clear about what role your event plays in your annual growth plan. So for, for it, your business. For, yeah, for anybody that we're serving, anybody, any client we're working with as we're supporting their event. The first question I ask them is, okay, we're gonna work this event with you. What role does this event play in your annual growth plan? Is this to seed your mastermind? Is this tip of the spear? Is this entry point? What is this, right? Um, and because usually it's a step to something else. Sure. So let's get crystal clear on what is the deliverable of the mastermind, right? Or the outcome. And what is the number one problem that they need to have that that mastermind solves? So now in order for them to want to solve it, they must be aware that they have it. So now you have to solve a problem at the event that will illuminate the new problem. So right? problem, solution, problem. <laughs> totally. And so, but then that way, but then the event has still has its own standalone value. You promise X and you deliver X, but you have created X as a, uh, as a function of what, how it leads to Y. So it's, I'm, ta I'm taking notes, buddy. Cause you can't, you don't want to solve X and then hopefully introduce Y. You want to be clear that solving X creates the problem of Y. So good. So good. Right. So, so, so a good example. The one you talked about with the, uh, you know, new media summit, right? Steve, mm -hmm. perfect opportunity there, right? Because yeah, the podcast event, yeah, the, the standalone deliverable is you will walk away with bookings in hand. You will walk away booked on podcasts, simple, clean, clear, deliverable. Yeah. And once you have that, you now need to do, know what to do. How do you build a business around having interviews? How do you build a business around about monetizing interviews on podcasts. Well, his mastermind helps you do that for 12 months, structure a business around monetizing that visibility, right? But even if you don't do that, you walk away with your clear standalone deliverable of bookings in hand, right? But, it, but his mastermind is literally built on the back of that, right? So it's like, you wanna, we wanna make sure that that's, that's the place and that's the um, deliverable. Um, 
And that way it keeps it simple, it keeps it clean, and it keeps you moving forward. And it never, you're never crossing any lines. There's nothing out of integrity. There's nothing to make you feel like you're trying to be sneaky and drop something in. And, oh, by the way, I have this thing over here. Because what usually happens is people are going to go through this and go, oh, my God, I just got booked on 14 podcasts. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> right? So it's going to automatically, by solving the problem, it's going to automatically, by nature, create another one. Which is, it's like the pattern of natural consequences, which I, I love so yes. much. You know, that, that's how we parent. You know, it's not like, I, I, I never punished my kid. I, there's no reason to punish him. Oh, you did something wrong. Here's your punishment. It's like, no, you did something wrong. What's the most natural consequence from doing this thing? What would happen? And, and it, it's very like, that's how I approach sales. Okay, you want to do this? Great. Let's fix it. And then what in, in every, what is it? Uh, kind of going back to Einstein, you know, the, you can't solve a problem in the level yeah. of thinking that got you there and very right. similar, right? The, when you solve a problem, it does create its new problem, the solution. The only thing that problem. you have to make sure you bring to the table is awareness. You have to bring a spotlight. We call it bringing a mirror. My job is simply to show the mirror because if I don't, you in your own confusion might not see it clearly. So I need to make sure that it's stated and that you're visible. I hold up the mirror to you that says, okay, just make sure you know what to do with all of those bookings now. Cause then they're going to go, Oh my God, you have I your plan, know. right? You know how you're going to make a hundred grand at least from these, right? You don't, right. We should probably start strategizing that. <laughs> Correct. And it's up to them to say, well, wow, I really don't, but I'll go figure it out. Okay. That's a conscious decision you've made. Right. But I don't want you to leave and go, Holy crap. How do I do this? I want you to make sure that you have the opportunity to figure that out in my presence. I love that. Well, hey, man, that, that helped me for uh, the event coming up in March. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So we got a few minutes left. I, I want to touch on something just because it's, it's such a social, it's in the air socially. Our country, if our country meaning America right now. Uh, honestly, I was checking ratings yesterday, looking uh, on, the, on the tracking of the podcast, and we've got listeners in 32 countries right now, which I'm fascinated. I didn't even know. Oh, I had no clue. Isn't that amazing? I'm, I'm like, dude, how did that happen? That's Welcome. Really cool. Welcome from Uruguay. Welcome from Kazakhstan. I love you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so in America, uh, and, and it's obviously everybody else knows, just if you have, if you have a pulse, there's a lot of, there's culture war happening. There's a big, create a lot of craziness politically and otherwise. And I saw somebody um, talking about road rage and I had a, an instant correlate and a correlate, parallel um, comparison. And the, the main, they was talking about the main reason road rage exists is because you're typically moving faster than you normally would anyway. So you've raised the level of anxiety. You've heightened the intensity of the moment. So now when somebody cuts you off, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Get out of my way. Because you wouldn't do that if you were just sitting on a park bench. Interesting. Right? Well, apply that to our social, social culture right now. Social media, the news media, the news cycle. Stuff used to be in the news cycle for months or years. Now it's days or minutes and then something else crazy is happening stuff is moving so fast that we're it's like we're driving 80 miles an hour so one little thing sets us off and i was just curious to your perspective on how that pertains in, in the buyer box principles right and in our business right how is it impacting people's business and their ability to actually grow their businesses effectively so my perspective is I, uh, and some people will like this or understand it hopefully. And a lot of people probably won't like it, but my perspective is a little bit of bury my head in the sand with the cultural perspectives. And here's what I mean. Um, we're, the culture is getting very volatile and yes. this has happened before. It's happened many times. It happened prior to America's civil war in the 1800s. There were several different perspectives. In fact, a lot of people don't realize, but before the Civil War happened, um, that nearly tore the country apart, there were eight distinct sides. There were eight distinct factions. It was like an octagon. But what happens is at the, at the far extremes, left and right, you have the, the zealots and eventually the flamethrowers, the people that are like throwing fuel on the fire right. and being offended for the sake of offense and, and, uh, and judging for the sake of judgment and saying that's wrong, so I want my pound of flesh. And as soon as it becomes about the pound of flesh and it's not about, well, hang on, what do we actually want to create instead? And yes. what is that person's perspective? Can we have a dialogue about it? No, no, no. If you said X, whatever that is, you said that thing, I no longer think that you're a good person. I can't even have a dialogue. So what's happening in America, the biggest problem is conversation. Dialogue is cutting off. Yes. 
That's the problem. If we can't talk, so now in the public, it's not safe to talk about anything. Now, some people are idiots. And when they go on Twitter and, and social media and different places, they talk about terrible things. And then other people are apparently the good guys, the disenfranchised, but they essentially have the same opinion, right? It's like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And what we got to remember is this, just my philosophy, my take as a business owner, especially if you want to survive a very volatile political and social climate, you got to realize 99% of people just want the same things. They actually, so underground almost, the, the, the average normal people like us, we want to take care of our families. We want to have good rights. We want to have open conversation. We don't want to judge somebody else. You know, I don't want to judge people that have different beliefs in, in religion and in gender and in and, and, and philosophy and political and so forth and so on. I don't care. I'll have right. dinner with a Democrat or Republican. I'll have dinner with any of the, I'm not sure how many genders there are, but I know that, well, depending, I mean, there's different classifications now where even if you want to keep up with certain aspects, it's hard to do that. So my point is most of the people I think want to be in the middle where we want to be good humans. We want to take care of people. We want to be heard and we want to listen. You have to, to a certain extent, ignore, I, it's not safe for me to go on Twitter and say, Look what happened to Target. You know, I, I'm for this bathroom or I'm against this. They were trying to do the right thing, but they got basted for doing it. And now all of a sudden it's like picket lines and somebody says a, a remark somewhere and then now they're getting fired from their job right. and it has nothing to do with the job itself. So when, when we're in that climate, it is very dangerous. And I think the best thing we can do is try to have rational conversations where we get heard and we listen. And for me, like little things I've done on stage now, I don't talk about those things. And right. some people base me for that. <laughs> some people say, are you kidding me? I mean, we have friends that, you know, won't name names, but we have friends that, you know, they've said, no, 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 this is something that's so important that in our business, we're taking a stand in, for this disenfranchised group or for this place, or we want to be inclusive in these different ways. For me, I'm already inclusive. If you want to come to my seminar, come to my seminar. Right. I don't care who you are. Like, I'm all good, man. You can come here and be loved. I don't need to make my business about a social and political stand, if that makes sense. Right. And I think it's very dangerous for my family. And it's very dangerous for the country because the more people, more businesses that make clear stances, what happens is now the battle lines are drawn. And right. people are asking me an unfair question. They're saying, which side do you stand on? And I say, none of them. I stand on the eighth side. I stand on the side of dialogue and solving problems. Yes. I don't stand on the left or the right. And that's not, a, and the problem is Jim, as you probably well know, that's not uh, an acceptable answer anymore. So right. I don't answer it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, is, how is that? No, totally appreciate that. And, and yeah, I, if you're offended at all, uh, just email uh, Jim Padilla's office. They'll take all the complaints. <laughs> um, Eight to uh, five in the office. The, the only reason that I stay aware of it is because I know that at, by and large, the public is aware. And so I don't want to be ignorant to somebody else's anxieties if, if we're going to be talking on the phone, right? Because the political landscape, whether you believe the sky is falling tomorrow or you believe that everything's fake news or whatever, either way, it's going to affect your decision making. Well, I'd agree with that. It's like staying up to date, but I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to make a, like, I'm not going to make a public announcement Correct. where I say, Hey, here's where I stand. Right. I think that's, um, that's just, it's, yeah. It's not safe to do that anymore. Well, we talk with our team who are taking all these sales calls and meeting with people to, to be aware of the anxieties and the fears and the nonsense that is in the public sphere because it directly impacts the way they buy things, the way they make decisions, the way they show up on calls, the way they react. And, you know, our job, knowing that there could be a high level of anxiety, we make a lot of our job, like, you know, comparing to the road rage piece. How about we slow down to 20 miles an hour and let's make some good decisions. Instead of meeting them where they are, run 100 miles an hour and try to make decisions at the frantic, frenetic nonsense pace that they're trying to make decisions or do things, we want to help them get a better view, a better feel for what's going on. And so um, it's, it's like being in this world, but not of this world. You know, it's like be, being able to be aware of what's going on without letting it seep into your soul. I mean, the more you listen to it, the more you see it, it impacts your own brain. So you, you definitely have to be careful.
Um, there's, a, there's a piece about that too, around like around identity and around value and knowing who you are and why you're here and what you bring. Like, you know, really young children who maybe don't know who they are yet or how they're made. It, that's why, you know, parents are always so protective when they're young. It's like, well, what school are they going to go to? Who are they around? What are their influences? Right. But we have to come to a point and it's in business, it's in family and it's in adulthood that we look at, I need to know who I am. And regardless of your influence, that's not going to change my identity, right? That's not going to change who I am. Um, I don't have to worry about that, which means to your point, I don't have to be of the world. I can be in the world. I can love people. I can understand. I can have those dialogues. And I think right now, just kind of going back to that, just because it's a interesting, uh, interesting topic. I think one of the reasons why people are scared to have the dialogue is because sometimes people aren't clear on their identity and who exactly they are. <laughs> what is their opinion? You know, it's a little more frail. I'm super clear on my identity. I know how I was made. I know who I'm made to be. I know why I'm here. So that means if I sit down and have a conversation with someone from any different uh, um, uh, social belief, political belief, uh, I can sit down with anyone from any religion, although, right? Obviously, I, I we help to pastor and lead in the Christian church. That has nothing to do with anything. That's just me. I know me. But I'll sit down with anyone from any religion or, or, or lack of religion or universal whatever, and we'll have a good dialogue and conversation because they are not going to... I'm not going to be scared that they're going to make me into something different. Right. It's like, no, I know I'm on this side or I'm in this pocket. It's not sides, but it's I'm in this pocket. And I know you're in that pocket. I would love to learn about your pocket. Right. I'd love to learn because I want to respect your pocket. I want to appreciate it. I want to understand it more. Yes. And hopefully you could understand mine more and you could love the people in my pocket. Like I want to love the people in your pocket, but we don't need to be in each other's pockets. Totally. We don't need to make the world one big pocket <laughs> or two I, sides, I, you know? It's like, I we think can it's, only do that. It's a level of natural curiosity that has to exist. And for, it's a default for me. Um, I know it's not for most people, but it is something you can train yourself. So instead of reacting, you just get curious anytime something happens. And when somebody gets really angry or they go from zero to 60 quick or any, any kind of emotional shift, it, that's typically not normal. They're reacting to something. So my default is, well, tell me what's going on. I saw something just happen there. Help me understand. You know, I'm the person that when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on the door, I invite them to come in and sit on the couch, right? Because, you know, this is, there's no trick in it. I'm genuinely curious in what you believe in so heavily that you're out going door to door to try to, to share it. What and is there's, that? There's going to be in everything, whether it's a truth or, or not a truth, there's a seed of truth in everything. Um, so like you, I, I've always, I've never walked away from a good conversation where the other person was open to explore and to share. I've never walked away from that conversation, not getting something, not gleaning something, right? Like you can, like you talked about, you know, a JW coming to the door and you go, wow, like there's something like you took all this time, all this passion, like where am I lacking that maybe, right? right. How can I, even if I'm not going to buy into the exact same um, theology, let's say yeah. I can still look at. Um, at your social psychology. I can look at your value. I can look at you as a human being. I can be inspired. Like there's going to be something in this for me and hopefully something that I can bring that will help you. Totally. Yeah. And we're going to wrap this up here in a quick second, but yeah, on that line, it's like I, I had, I used to meet with a group of guys on a Friday mornings and we met at 6am at a Starbucks nearby and they make a 6am. They do. <laughs> I thought there was only one a day. <laughs> and I was going and we show up at 6 a.m. and there's these two women, both elderly, which was noticeable for me because of the weather. It was really cold outside. And they were both sitting there with their rack of magazines and their, you know, JWs. And I was like, I don't know what I'm com that committed to. I don't know if there's anything in my life that I'm as com that committed to that I'm going to be up at 530 in the morning in 50 degree weather to sit outside to share with somebody else. It's like, do I need to increase my level of commitment? You know? So it was wow. nothing to do with what they were doing. It was, I was fascinated to what they believed in. So, so powerfully that would motivate them to do that. Yeah, do right. I believe in something that powerfully? Yeah. And so, even more like, how can I, if I don't, that's awesome. Totally. So it's great conversations to be had all the time. Just like the one we're having, Matt, my man, I, uh, I love you, man. I, I'm just, I love spending time with you. Uh, I'm, Totally looking forward to an amazing 2019 for you. We're definitely going to have to uh, figure out and line up our, our, our travel plan so that we cross some paths a couple of times this year. Right back at you, brother. But, that's for sure. Um, we, we have uh, the link. I want to send you guys. Go and buy his book, 
the Firebox principles. The links are in the show notes uh, at salesandscripted.com. Um, what, what do you really want everybody to walk away with? If you have, they can take one thought away with them today. Well, I'll tell you a thought from the book because you just talked about that. Um, what I would say is this, is just going back to what we started originally talking about earlier is decide to dive in and know the truth of what drives you. It might scare you or it might be exciting. It might be not what you expect, but when you dive in and learn, and, and again, I, I go through it in the book. I even, if you pick up the book from the link Jim has, I even have a, a free thousand dollar training. It's not a sales funnel. I'm, should be, I guess, but it's not. It's just a accompaniment to the book. It's me doing a video training, teaching the principles, and then you can get the quiz. It's totally free too. So um, pick it up. It's a, it's a good value. It also, uh, we donate author proceeds, a big portion of proceeds to the Burn Institute uh, of San Diego. It's a charity that sends burn survivor children to burn camp, takes care of burn survivor families. Phenomenal and a big supporter of them. Um, so you're making a difference too. In, inside there, what you end up with towards the end is understanding that if you know what your drive is, if you really dig inside and get it, you have to do one of two things and commit to it. Either wave that flag with pride and share your story with your team members, with your volunteers, uh, with your clients, with the world, share it, and you'll get people rallying around your vision or take a good long hard look at it and decide that what started this enterprise isn't what's going to propel it into the future and it's got to change. If you don't want to go the way of, of, uh, of Blockbuster and, and, and Sears and many of the other ones, you look at changing things and you may need to change what your fire drive is and say, hey team, we started it for this reason in 1906, but today this is what drives us forward and this is the flag we're waving with pride. Um, the world needs to see you. They need to see the authentic you and you know, get out there and show them. Amen to that, brother. Good way to close it. So go to salesdescripted.com, get to the link for fire, the, the fireboxbook.com and all of uh, the accompaniments that go with it and step into Matt's world. You'll love him the same way I do. He's, he's, he's got, it'll, it'll impact your life if you really let him seep into it with sharing his beliefs with you. So appreciate you being here, man. And Thanks, I look forward to talking soon. Till then, everybody go out and do business and life on your terms. And uh, thanks for uh, allowing me to be part of your success team. All right, Jim, I'll show them where to go from here, man. Look, if you love what you're hearing, here is a great way to get more. You can get a free month's access to our awesome drop-in coaching group. Here's all you got to do. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share it. Let us know when you do at salesunscripted.com forward slash get more. Look for the share your review button on the page. That's all you got to do. We'll see you next week.